0: Do you feel blessed today? Do you just sense the presence of God? I'm feeling it wash over this place as I begin to just worship. And I am just so grateful for the presence of God. I'm grateful, again, for a worship leader who plans and seeks God, for a choir who puts their heart... Uh, ...into the the worship. I'm just very, very, very grateful today. Well, we are in the third part of a three-part series dealing with prayer. If you want to go and take your Bibles, please, and turn to Ephesians and chapter 5, we'll be jumping into there in just a moment. But we've been talking about that even though all of us have been praying all of our lives in different formats and different ways... That that maybe just maybe there was something that we've missed about prayer, something we've misprioritized. Maybe we've got the horse before the the wagon or the caboose in front of the engine. That that maybe maybe prayer is more than just God give me, give me, give me, I need, I need. Maybe God had something bigger in prayer than that from the get go, and that something was the intimacy. The knowing of God. So many of the quotes by the great men and women of God that you saw on the screen talk about that. Talk about the fact that, that God, you know, prayer is not changing God, but, but God changing us. That's a wonderful quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So, uh, as you follow me over here to the, to the batteries again this week, We've added something different. A friend of mine helped me come up with this this week. It was his idea. And I said, oh my goodness, it really, really, uh, talks about the truth, shows the truth. You know, all week long we've talked, all three weeks we've talked about the fact that this is God. We have a battery here for those on the radio on the right hand side. And this is God over here. And we have a battery. And I said, you know, it's kind of weird. The, the God battery is smaller than the us battery. And I said, well, that's how it is. We think we're bigger than God anyway, and we never are. But anyway, so I thought that was kind of appropriate. And what we've done this week, again, for the radio and for those who might listen on the Internet, is that what we've done is we've attached a bulb to this. And as you can see, that there is juice in this battery. There's electricity in this battery, and it's allowing this bulb to burn. And here's what I want you to understand, is that when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, a light comes to be within us. But here's the deal. Now, I don't have time and you don't have time, but if we leave this bulb hooked up long enough, eventually the juice will go out of this battery and this bulb's going to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and eventually go out. And so often as believers, we live our life at a full-run gate. We know Jesus is Savior, but we never get a hold of the intimacy of God, and we never get that connection power-wise with God. And it's just a question of, A, will the bulb go out first, or will we go out first? I've seen so many people know Jesus Christ, and as they run their race called life without connecting with God in intimacy, that the bulb gets dimmer. And dimmer and dimmer. And some, the bulb goes out. They don't lose their salvation. But the joy and the witness and the peace totally evaporates. I did a funeral for a guy today. Uh, this week, I'm sorry, this week. And he was a, a, a served the Lord faithfully. And I don't know why he ended up not going to church at the end. And that really doesn't matter. But at the end, he wasn't a churchgoer. And you go, gee, what happened to cause that? And then sometimes, sometimes the bulb just gets dimmer and dimmer. And still glowing when we finally go home to heaven. But it's just a, a former glimpse, a flicker of what it could have been. So we've learned then this week that what we've got to do is the, the main, perhaps the main thing about prayer is really connecting with God. That, that it's not perhaps ask me, give me, Lord, I need, Lord, I need. Maybe it's intimacy with God. Maybe it's. Connecting with God. And Jesus taught us this. When He said, when He said, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on the corner and pray. They thought they could be heard for their much speaking.' and all that. You know, you know, time out. They won their reward. They got it. Man saw them. Yay. That's good. But Jesus said something unusual. He said, now first thing I want you to know about prayer is this. You need to get alone in your closet. Can I pray driving down the road? Yes, you can. Can you pray while you're showering? Yes, you can. Can you pray while you're getting all three kids dressed for school and cooking breakfast and getting your husband ready to go out the door? Yes, you can. But Jesus said, if you really want to know about prayer, if you really want to know about intimacy, you've got to get into your closet, away into a room, and shut the door. And then your Father, who sees in secret, will see you, and then He will reward you. And that reward is not answered prayers necessarily, because everybody go, well, dude, if that's what it takes to get my new pink Cadillac, or if that's what it takes to get the job, or get the man I've been looking for, you know, finally get the man... You know, I'll do that. That's not it at all. The reward is an intimacy with God. It's a sustaining intimacy in life. Here's the deal. When we discover that intimacy, the power that is in this battery all of a sudden becomes transferred to this battery. The power that is in God is all of a sudden becomes transferred into this. And we see an instant result. You see, when we hook up with God, look what happens. Instantly, we have power. And here's what's cool. Although there is no power or much power in this battery, this battery is unlimited. And the conduits of power will continue on through our lives as we stay connected with God. So I hope you can see that thing's smoking in it. We Dude. Right, positive, right, positive. Oh, I bet that's negative. Yeah, that's right. All right. The guy going to help me. He said, you know, be careful. Get those things connected right. So if we want to maintain the power and the intimacy, then we got to stay connected with God. And I believe it happens through prayer. Why don't we pray then? I put on the marquee this week. I, I tried to put teasers out there, hopefully drawing someone to church. No time to pray? We can help. Come kind of Sunday morning. Why don't we pray more? I, I came up with two, actually. I, I thought this was a real newsflash. See, if our prayer life, if our prayer life boils down to God I need and God I want and God this and God that, then here's the deal. What are you going to do, you know, when life is going very well? You've got a job. Everybody's healthy. Will you feel compelled to fall to your knees and pray? No, because things are going well. And you can't kind of give the God, hey, God, I'll call you when I need you. Then if something happens, you lose your job. Oh, then all of a sudden we want to pray. And if that's our thought of prayer, no wonder we don't have time in the morning or the evening to pray because, God, things are going pretty good and I can handle this. And when they get out of control, I'll call you. And that's the reason prayer is not a priority in a lot of our lives. A lot of our lives are going very well. Our marriages are good. Our kids are good. Our job is good. Things are going well. So we don't feel compelled to pray. And if that's your mentality, then that would be logical. But what if? Just, 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 just what if? What if prayer really is about intimacy? Then maybe the reason we don't pray then, at least one reason is, is we don't have time. We simply do not have time to pray. Dwayne, it just doesn't seem. And part of that problem is. And listen. You're going to hear it later on. But that's because in our mind we have the concept. That prayer has got to be this huge block of time. But what if I told you again. Based on the words of Jesus. When he said. You know don't be like the pagan. Because they think they're going to be heard for their much words. There are times to pray long. You'll hear that later on. But what if it was the quality of the prayer time. What if God was more interested in. In my heart, than how I prayed. Would that change everything? It really would. So we want to look at Ephesians in chapter six, Ephesians chapter five, verse sixteen and seventeen. Then we're going to jump off some other scriptures from there. We're going to talk about time. Then we're going to talk about time priorities, and then lastly, some time savers in prayer. Now let's look first off at time. Here's what the verse says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 and 16. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, notice I'm not an English person. You can tell by the way I speak. I slaughter the English language, okay? But, but look what it says. You'll notice first off, there are two verbs. Look and walk. Look And walk, and yet, there is only one adjective. And that adjective is carefully. Now, depending on what translation you have, and there really is a toss-up here in the Greek about where that carefully ought to be applied. In some of the manuscripts, it appears under the Greek language, it appears that it should be attached to the word look. But in other Greek translations and how the Greek is, it could also be attached to the word walk. The deal is this. It's very important in this life how we live. It's very important. When he's saying carefully, look carefully, then how you walk, he's saying be very, very careful how you live today. Now, do I need to spend about 15 minutes telling you why that's true? I don't, do I? Watch the news. Read the local newspaper. Listen to the talk of town. And you'll see that these are very difficult days that we are living in. So he says, "Then look carefully and walk carefully." Then, not as unwise, not foolishly. One of the words, one of the translations of the word unwise is foolishly. And in Psalm 14.1, the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." So so perhaps Paul is saying it's important that as we walk, we don't walk unwise. We don't walk foolishly. We don't walk as if God is not a part of our life. That's called practical atheism. We say with our mouth, I believe in God. But then we live as if he doesn't matter or doesn't exist. So he says, don't live in an undisciplined. Don't live in a foolish way, but as wise. Instead, calculate. Watch how you walk. Watch where you're putting your feet. Watch as you go through life how you do life. Discipline your life. Add disciplines in your life that will help you to walk carefully. Now, did you see one of the, one of the scriptures that we had or one of the sayings we had? Prayer is in fact a discipline of life. Make sure it's a priority in your life. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, foolishly, but wise, Calculating and discipline. Here it is. Making the best use of time. Why? Because the days are evil. Making the best use. And what that means is this. Now, if you're, I'm talking to believers. So If you're not a believer today, just hang on just a minute. But if you're a believer today, then somewhere, surely in our concept of thinking that God ought to have, like, a place in our lives. Come on, everybody say amen. I mean, if you don't believe that, my goodness. I mean, as believers in God and believers in Jesus Christ, surely God ought to have a part. Now let me show you over here, and I'll ask you guys you can zoom in over here on these jugs over here. See, this is our life. Okay? And our life, all this stuff in here, represents the things in life that rob us of our time. The things we like to do, the things we need to do, the worries and the concerns and all those different things that go on in life. This is it. And already the jug is pretty full. And then we come along and and we say, Well, you know, and by the way, this is my family rock. This is the rock I gave Judy 35 years ago, okay? And so, you know, we've we got to get that in there, okay? And then there's things like, you know, the kids' activities. We want our kids to be well-rounded individuals, so we've got to make sure there's time for the ball games and all of that. Um, surely there's got to be time for homework and all of that. And then there's leisure time. We want to have time for vacation and all of that. And, and then perhaps maybe um, we need time for school, Activities. OK. And then then perhaps a small part, uh, I don't know, you know, maybe just like watching television. OK. And then, of course, we got to get that God in there. Hang on. We got to We, we got to get God in there somewhere. OK. and And it's really difficult with all the things of life going on. And that's why this is why you have such a hard time praying. Because there's so many things going on in your life, and so many things are really crucial and important, family and things like that. It's no wonder you say, "Dwayne, I don't have time to be intimate with God. And here's the deal. Here's the scary part. When we don't do that, then there are going to be some consequences to pay. There is a problem here. Now, where's my friend Danny at? Danny Evans, where are you at, buddy? Come on up here, Danny. I'll make sure I get this right this time. I see the problem, Dan. we got the light different. There we go. This won't, this won't smoke now. There we go. Now, did you notice again what happens when we hook the power up? You see the bulb getting bright? When we connect God in here, things get bright fast. And we're drawing power from that. But let me tell you, let me just read the verse again to you, what Paul said. Look carefully then. Look carefully. Calculate how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. Staying connected with God. Because the days are evil. Now, now Danny, I know you work full time at, at Farm Supply. Or is that the name of it? Sure. Farm, farm Supply. Now you talk in my mouth, okay? Don't talk in my mouth, that's kind of weird. Okay? Alright, so, and then you farm. Yes. Right? And then you have a family. Oh, yeah. So, so life is really busy. It's very full. Matter of fact, you're harvesting right now, aren't you? Going through the harvest time now. Now, Danny, where's your little machine at? You got your little machine here. Now, Dan, this is a battery tester, but it, but it does so by putting a load on this. Now, this represents the world, okay, and this represents, of course, us even hooked up even hooked up to God, okay. Now, Danny's going to hook this up, and hope we won't blow something up here. There we go. Now, there's something called a load tester. Okay? Now, what would be some things in our life that would test our load? How about an unstable marriage? How about a child who's rebelling? How about they walk in and hand you a pink slip? How about one of your your family members wrestling with drugs or alcohol or depression or something, you know, negative like that? What happens? Now look what happens when we put the load on. Anything stressful. Anything stressful. Look at there, you see it? Now as long as we stay connected with God, the bulb stays bright, but not as bright. Now, now, Danny, can we take those cables off and put the load back on it, too? Can we do that? All right, cool. There we go. All right, I'm going to put this on this now, okay? I don't think the deacons would like if I blew the church up. There we go. Now, what happens now? Oh, did you see that? Notice how much significantly bright, less bright it is? Look at that. It's going down. Look at it. That, now, thank you, Danny. That's great. If you'll just kind of... You can go ahead and hook this part back up for me. Put God back on. Okay? Now, do you see that? Now, we are able to sustain life effectively when we stay connected with God. When we lose that intimacy and the load increases, that marriage goes down the tubes, our children walk away, our economic situation goes down, man, we lose energy fast. Okay? Okay? What are we going to do about that? We are going to prioritize so that we can stay connected to God. Look at that next scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33. Here's the deal. Let's look at option one first. How do we handle this? We can worry. Okay, when the stress comes and we're not connected to God, we can worry. We can fret. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Then we can try to fix it. Do our best to fix it, and then we'll pray and say, God help, God help, God help, God do this, God do that. Yeah, I don't I'm not sure what you mean by your will, but God here's what how, this is how I want that to happen. Now, here's the deal. What is gonna result when we worry, fret, try to fix it, and pray that kind of prayer? Get a coin out of your pocket, flip it up, heads or tails. Sometimes it seems like, Ta da, God shows up, answer the prayer, great, God is good. And then we go on our way. But isn't it true? About more than half the time, we flip the coin up, and God doesn't seem to be there, and nothing changes. In fact, sometimes things get what seems to be worse. It's true. So there must be another option. Now, look what it says. Therefore, do not worry. Now, time out. He's not saying don't be concerned. He's not saying that you've got terminal cancer and you're walking through life going zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. Your child's in jail from a a drug arrest last night. Oh, God is so good. Mm, I can feel His Spirit now. He's not saying that. We have concerns. When when the trials come, we're concerned. But worry implies an inability, a, a, a lack of trust of God. I God, I don't believe you can handle it and resort back to fretting and fixing. He says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? That's pretty essential. What shall we drink? That's pretty essential. What shall we wear? That's certainly essential. Now watch this. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. In other words, the world's way of handling it is fretting and fixing and then Maybe casting a prayer about it. Even the most carnal person you know. Even some atheists, cry out, God help me. That's the way the pagans do. The word Gentile there means pagan. And Look what he says. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Does that sound familiar? Sure, he said that before. Your Father knows that you need all these things. Okay, well, Jesus, what's your answer? Watch this. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now let's go back to our jugs. Here's life. God's sticking out the top. God, I made time for you. It's not optimum time, but thank you. You don't send me done letters. And you don't do all that. But what would happen if we took God and put Him in first? But seek first the kingdom of God. In his righteousness. And I told you that this is my my family rock here, so I'm gonna dig him out. He's probably most important. This is mama and all of that, okay? What if I were to put her down in there, make sure the kids have an important place, and then we start adding in all these other things that certainly are viable. Here's our kids' sports life. That's important. We want to be well-rounded. Um, here's education, right there. Here's vacation. Got to make sure we have time for vacation. And you know, uh, here's uh, perhaps um, you know maybe we want to do a mission trip even. Uh, go there somewhere with that. And, and then, oh look, here's a little bit of time for TV. Maybe I'll put a little bit of time time for TV in there. Now, now watch what happens when you prioritize as Jesus says and put first the kingdom of God and all these things. Shall be added unto you. Watch this. This is kind of cool. So you start pouring in all the other things after you put God first. And look at that. Isn't that amazing? See, when you put God first, everything fits. And I got room for three more pounds of rice. Are you hearing me? Now, listen, I'm want you. Listen, I'm your pastor. I'm, I'm going to shoot straight with you. You can go ahead and do life the other way. You, you can do that. Just like when Jesus said, oh, you can pray that away." I'm just telling you, do you want to know how to pray? I'm telling you that there's a better way of living that will allow you to get connected with God and stand connected with God where your light will shine brightly and that intimacy will be maintained. And when the pink slip comes and they will come even when you're connected with God, but you'll have a peace that your Father's in control. When, when your children are walking away from God, you have the peace that your Father's there with you, that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. you have that peace. And all of this together. And the amazing part is, you've got margin. You've got margin. You won't be drowning. So, so Jesus says, listen, don't be like the pagans and worry and all that stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So that leads us down. Okay, Dwayne, that's really cool. That's a good spiritual application. Man, you've got God in there. That's really great. Great. Now, can you give me some practical helps? And I would be glad to. I'd be glad to. Let's look first off at verse number 17 from Ephesians chapter 5. That's the third verse there. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, watch this. He's talking to believers. He's saying... Do not be foolish. Remember, Psalm 14, 1. The fool has said in his heart there's no God. So we believe in God, but in a practical way, we live our lives often as he does not exist. Okay? So Paul says, don't be foolish. Don't live as if there was no God. In other words, look at the Word, listen to, to God's heart, and he has a better way for you to live. Okay? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay? God's got a plan. And his plan is for you to put him first. And I'm telling you, when you do that in your prayer life, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. Now, can I pause out? God has blessed me with being a morning person. Okay? But beyond that, because some of you are not like, Brent, are you a morning person? Ain't no way. I know, Brother Brent's not, and many of you are not a morning person. But I want to tell you this. I want you to consider, if something is important, we'll do anything. Am I right? Like, for instance, Brent, if Laverne had come to you and said, we are leaving at 3 a.m., you'd have kicked the dirt. But you'd have been there at 3 o'clock, wouldn't you? Because it had been important. So we can do what's important. And I really believe, by the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, who often prayed early in the morning. The Scriptures record that. That he started his day off, gave God the first fruits of his day, and said, God, this is your time. And as he did that, it put him in position to follow God the rest of the day. So, so I think the wise thing to do, walking wisely, not unwise, rather than looking back on your day and saying, God, I sure wish you'd have been there, and God, I didn't understand that, is to say, God, this is, this is your day. And it really happens at... I got up at 4.15 this morning. Okay? Whether it starts at 4.15 or 7 o'clock. If you can do it at 7 o'clock. Start your day. Give God the first minutes of your day. And ask Him to watch over you that day. And then you begin the day with the perspective that your Father's in control. And He's watching out for your day. Make it a priority. And you're going to be amazed at what happens. Now... Over in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, which is a verse everyone knows, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under the heavens. There's a time to keep silent, and there is a time to speak. So, how can we, how can we effectively use that moment of time? That, that 15 minutes, that 5 minutes? Because remember, God's not concerned about length of time, He's concerned about our heart. So how can we most effectively use that time in our closets? Well, the first thing I listed here is this. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. So often we spend time praying about things that we just don't need to pray about. If you're taking notes, write this down. If God has already spoken on an issue, don't pray about it. Don't ask about it. Take thou shalt. Thou shalt. Okay, I think God's Word clearly teaches, as an example, because this is one a lot of people wrestle with, okay, is our money. Okay, so a lot of times we say, okay, God, you know, do you really want me to tithe? Now, God's already spoken on that. In Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10, He said, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe precedes the law. Validated in the Old Testament and referenced by Jesus himself and commended by Jesus himself in the New Testament. So why do we want to spend time saying, God, should I tithe when he's already spoken on it? Don't need to talk about that. Now, your husband, because he's a man, is sometimes stupid. He does something stupid. And so you're sitting there going, well, God, should I forgive him? Well, God's already spoken in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty two. He said, forgive others as you want God to forgive you. So you don't really need to spend time saying, God, should I forgive? See, when the word of God, God, is it the lake or church today? Is it the lake or church in the book of Hebrews? He said, do not forsake to assemble yourselves together every time in God's eyes, the lake loses. One time on Sunday, you need to worship. Whether well, you do it twice, I'm going to leave that between you and God. But I would say Sunday morning ought to be God's. Do the lake at 12.15 if we're out. Those are things. So when God has spoken clearly, don't spend your time, your precious prayer time, asking should you do it. It just makes Does that not make sense? I mean, come on now. That was not very. See, y'all bucking up already. Now, you don't taking that out of context. Now, no, I haven't. You just don't like what the Word of God says. Now, how about thou shalt not? Lord, should I cheat on my income taxes? God's really big on honesty. You don't need to ask Him about that one. Now, I, this is one of my new ones. You know, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not trying to offend anyone, you know. You know, you know God, you know, should I we... divorce Him? God's Word just don't say it. God, matter of fact, in Malachi chapter 2, God says, I hate divorce. So you go ahead and ask Him, God, should I divorce Him? No, I hate divorce. You got your answer already. Uh, God, I got me, I got me something going on the side here. Is it okay with you if I have something going on the side, you know, my wife don't know about? Um, God's real big on adultery too. He doesn't like that one either. Thou shalt not. Why waste your prayer time, your precious prayer time, asking God what He's already spoken? He gave us big tens of thou shalt and thou shalt nots and a whole bunch of others. So don't waste your time on the thou's and thou nots. Now, again, see, this is so practical. See, because you want this. You want this bulb burning bright because life is hard. You're going to face all kind of hard stuff in life. And you want this connection with God. And that intimacy is going to happen in our fellowship with God. And the time we spend with Him. Okay? So thou shalt and thou shalt not. Alright? Now, I wrote down this. Sometimes it's going to be a combo meal. You know, i order a cheeseburger sometime. And she goes, you want the combo meal? Meaning, they have a special price. If you get the hamburger, you get the fries and the drink at a little discounted price. See, I love the story about Joshua. They had gone out down in the Old Testament and tried to fight this little bitty town called Ai. And somebody stole something that belonged to God, basically. Basically. And they went to fight AI when they, when they fought AI, and AI just whooped up on them. Just whooped up on them. And Joshua was down on his face before God saying, Oh, God, why have you deserted us? Don't you know the people are going to look at us and look at you and your name's going to be defamed? Oh, God, why didn't you just leave us on the other side of the Red Sea? And you know what God said? Get up off your face. This is not a time to pray. This is the time to act. Someone's stolen something from me. Go take care of it. And sometime you're going to be praying and about something. God's going to say, it ain't time to pray, honey. It's time to act. If you don't stuck your foot in your mouth and offended a brother, go ahead and tell God if you won't, but you need to go to that brother and tell him you're sorry. There's a time to pray and a combo meal, and it will involve action also. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. And then we come to applying the KISS principle. Now, if you're in public speaking, I learned this in college, if you're in public speaking, S of course stands for keep it short, stupid. I can't say stupid in my house because that's a bad word. If I can say it in front of you, that doesn't make any sense either. But anyway, so so here's the deal. It has nothing to do with that. But we do want to say, let that first S, keep it short. Keep it short. Why, Dwayne, if you're pushed for time, you've got to understand something. You are not going to impress God with big, long, flowery words. He's not concerned about the length of your prayer. He's concerned about your heart. So don't think in your prayer life that, oh, well, I spend an hour in prayer. But, but what if those that hour is all about you and not about God? I mean, you heard some of the quotes up there. I mean, it's okay to pray three hours. That's cool. But don't think it gives you a special in with God just because you prayed three hours. You know, some of the most amazing prayers in the Bible were short. Check this one out. John chapter 11. Jesus is fixing to raise a man from the dead. He's fixing to raise Lazarus from the grave. Big deal? How long did he pray? I think it was 32 words. Here's what it says. And and listen to what he says, by the way. 32 words. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that you may believe, that they may believe that you sent me. God, I know that you hear me. I know you always hear me. I'm only praying this prayer right now for those that are standing around. So let's just do what we're going to do. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Thirty-two words. When Peter was walking on the waves and he saw the waves were boisterous, three words, Lord, save me. I think like nine words. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, the thief on the cross. It's not the length of your prayer that matters. It's the condition of your heart. So keep it simple. Second thing is this. Oh, time out. I got to by the way here. There are times you're going to need to pray long. Don't think I'm making this way. Oh, great. I'll just pray like five words and we'll call it a pray day. Now, there are times. When Jesus faced the cross, all night. When he was choosing the 12 disciples, Brent, all night long. There's going to be some times when you're going to need to spend hours with God in prayer. But that will be the heart speaking, not just doing it so you can say, I prayed all night. That's what scares me about prayer rituals. We prayed for 24 hours. Yeah, but if that was a gimmick, then what's the deal? Very, very important. All right? Beyond that, Okay. Second this, um, I, I, don't, I don't know his will, all right? I'm well, sorry, I need to pray in accordance with his will. I'll get it, all right? Now, listen to this first. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we asked of him. Now, let me tell you something I'm, I'm pretty sure. I know this in my heart. Prayer is not motivating God to do something. Come on, God. I, I know you can, God. Come on. We're pulling for you, God. Come on. We just know you can do this. I don't think prayer is begging God in the sense that, uh, you know, he's, he's withholding from us. Until we pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think prayer becomes something that, you know, that, that we would just do. I think prayer is latching hold of the will of God. And that happens in intimacy. Prayer is not me changing God. It's God changing me. Hugely important. So we should pray in accordance with His will. Now, the logical answer is this. I don't know His will. And this is like one of the greatest verses in the whole Bible. Now, how many of you today have prayer partners? Raise your hand. I have a prayer partner that I pray with. A few hands up. That is great. Now, what if I told you that every one of you had a prayer partner? What if I told you today that every one of you had a prayer partner. The deal is, he just doesn't have flesh and bones. Look at Romans chapter 8. I love this. It's on your sermon sheet. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Oh, we need that. For we do not know that we should pray for as we ought. That's true. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints, how? According to the will of God. So what's really cool is, the day we got saved, we received the Holy Spirit. And there are so often that we just don't know how to pray. And our prayer partner, the Holy Spirit, knowing the will of God, according to the will of God, prays for us. He may not have flesh and bones, but he's got an end with God because he knows the will of God. And I've said this before, and I'm not certain it's true. But I'm down here praying, God do this, and the Holy Spirit's saying, Father, He doesn't mean that. He really means this. Because He's my prayer partner. And when I don't know how to pray... He prays for me. It makes intercession. For... Is that cool? Come on, y'all. You don't believe that, do you? You don't believe that. It's true. It's true. You may be wrestling with this. But this intimacy key and the result of intimacy is true and it's real. For many... The things, the road things we do. I go to church. I write my tie check. I do that. You think that's the power, but it's not. It's being connected with God. And the Holy Spirit, the day you trusted Jesus Christ, you received Him. You received Him. And He makes intercession for you. Now watch this. Y'all know what two-way means? Two-way? Father Dwayne, is trying to say this, and he's praying in accordance with your will, da 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 The Father says back to the Holy Spirit, okay, go down and help Dwayne. D- look what it says here. Likewise, the Spirit also, say helps. Helps. First, the Holy Spirit intercedes, and then He lives within me. He comes back. Wait, it's a two-way street. He intercedes. He helps me do the Father's will. He helps me to forgive when I don't want to forgive. He, won't, he helps me to stop sinning when I like sin. He helps me to love a spouse that's not loving. The Holy Spirit works on our. Behalf. Now is that cool? Tell you what, you just you start you start discovering. Some of y'all discover y'all. Some of y'all don't talk. You start discovering that, and that is like. You find yourself forgiving someone you said I'll never forgive them, and all of a sudden they're your friend again. You go, how'd that happen? Oh, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now, we got last one to talk about. But I won't. Ever had the wants? I know God, but I won't. What do you do? There's some times when your will doesn't line up with the will of God and you say, God, I want this. Well, one you can ignore. You can simply ignore it. Have you ever heard that word consequences before? When we when we say God, I I know this is your will, but I choose not to do it. I want what I want. There are consequences. There's a there's an old gospel song. I was looking for Nita over there. There's an old gospel song. She knows all these old gospel songs, and I can't remember exactly how it goes, all the exact words. But the the thrust of it was this that there's a there's a a seaman first class who was working the night shift in a lighthouse, and there was a captain. That was sailing a huge ship. And the captain saw the light and said, This is Captain so-and-so, the battleship so-and-so. Move your vessel to the left so I can pass on the right. And the airman came back, and, or the seamen came back and said, No! This is, airman, this is, I won't say airman first class. This is seaman so and so. You move your vessel the other way, and the captain comes back and says, "Son, are you listening to me? I'm the captain. I said move that away." And the seaman finally says, "Sir, I am the lighthouse. Move your vessel." See, I'm never like that with God. And God is saying, "I'm the lighthouse. Move your vessel. You don't want to ignore my will." Catastrophe is coming! Or, we can change. We can submit to our intimate God and say, Okay, God, I want this, but I know it's wrong. I'm going to choose to follow You. How how does that happen? Psalm 37.4. It's on your sheet there. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Get connected with the Father. Delight yourself. Be intimate with God. And He will give you the desires of your heart. So, so, Dwayne, if I like the end of it with God, does that, Dwayne, does that mean I get everything I want? No, no, no. He changes your want to's. All of a sudden disobeying His will is not something you want to do. You want to obey His will. You want to obey His word. He changes your want to's. Can I have an amen? A lot of y'all know what I'm talking about. You met Jesus and you had this set of want to's. You had a desire. You wanted to drink. You wanted to do drugs. You wanted to be sexually loose. But you met Jesus one day. And did He or did He not change some of your want-to's? And some of them we're still dealing with. But we're saying, I'm going to delight. I'm going to be intimate with God. And He's going to change my wants. God has a better idea. Now, if I had time, we'd get the rocks out and put them all back here and stack the cross on top and say, we can do life like this. In fact, can I be honest with you? A lot do. That is your way of living the Christian life. And if you were to be very candid to me, it's not too fulfilling. And when Jesus said, I've got a better way, and it all began with prayer and intimacy, He's asking you to, to put Him first, to put Him first and add those things that are essential life and everything else will be added unto you. It will begin to make sense. But it begins with saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, you're like way big. You're so much bigger than me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey God, because you're so big and you're God, it's your deal before my deal. It's what you want before I want. Because you know best. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Oh, oh, oh. and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, I'm depending on you. I'm depending on you for my bread. I'm depending on you for my forgiveness. I'm depending on you for my protection. I'm depending on you for the guidance of life. Jesus says that's about, that's it. That's what it's all about. And I guess my question today is what are we going to do with that? Now, of course, it begins with this. If you're sitting here today and this is your first time in church in a long time or maybe ever, and you're going, well, I can't call Dad. God, dad, or daddy, or father, or nothing. Because I don't know him. Oh, listen. He wrote a whole book about that. And we've got some friends today who would love to show you what God says about how you can call him father. And please, as you can call him daddy. And you can enjoy this privilege of intimacy with him. And Brother Brent's going to be standing out front in just a moment. And you come down and say, Okay, I want to know how I can call God my Father. Because, man, I need the help. And I'm telling you, we've got some friends who will share with you. and you, you can leave this place today with a new Father. And it will be Jehovah God. Can I have an amen? That will be Jehovah God. And you can even call Him Daddy. Believers, what are we going to do with this? I know, Listen. I know this is kind of different from what we've practiced in our prayer life. It's kind of arrogant, Pastor, don't you think? Tell me that I don't know how to pray. I'm not going tell you how to pray. Jesus said, if you want an effective prayer life, this is kind of how you do it. You get alone in your closet. You have that intimate moment. You declare God's greatness. You, you say your deal over my deal. And you depend on Him. That's how you pray. And Like I said... You know, they, they got that Dodge thing. I think it's over now. You get the truck for 60 days. If you don't like it, bring it back. Try it. Try Jesus. Now, it's not my way. This isn't me. Jesus said it. Try Jesus' way. Carve out time. I think probably in the morning is the best, but I'll leave that up to you. Carve time out. Get alone with God. Does it, it have to be an hour? No. Didn't you hear? It's not about how long. It's about your heart. Well, Duane, what do you want going to say? Well, Start where you are. If all you know is how to ask for stuff, start there. But make God big. Your deal over my deal today. And I'm leaning on you. And I believe with all my heart that you'll see a radical change in your outlook in life, in your relationship with your Father. Let's pray together. Well, Father, as we close this time together on prayer, We just need your help. We just need your help, Father. Because even as I was preaching this, there are folks. some folks were saying, no, I don't have time to do this. It won't work. It's kind of hokey. It's kind of superstitious. And that's just the old evil one whispering his lies. Jesus, I believe you knew what you were talking about. I believe you are calling men and women to yourself today in relationships. For the first time in their lives. Being able to call you Father. As we have this time of invitation. Help them Father. Draw them to yourself. In full repentance of their sin. And in commitment. To Jesus Christ as their Lord. And as their King. Father for the brothers and sisters here today. Help us God. We confess we are weak. We are weak. Help us, God. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. As we stand our feet, Brother Brent will be weighing down front.